see him as my brother. He, we were, you know, we didn't live in each other's pockets. We were always, always friends, always great debaters. I suppose my abiding memory will be going to see some Portsmouth football matches with him at Fratton Park, which were great fun. Completely different person in that environment. But I, I think he's left a, a huge legacy to the island in what he achieved at, 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 during his time in politics. Um, and he will be a hard act to follow in. That was Les Norman, and this is the Bailiwick Pod with me, James Filial. We're celebrating the life of a man who served the island for 37 years on the pod this week. St Clement Constable Len Norman died recently at the age of 73. He'd enjoyed a political career which saw Jersey change fundamentally from the early 1980s through to ministerial government and the era of Charlie Parker. Constable Norman had a seat in the States throughout that period and was a man known both for his sharp wit and incisive mind, but also for his compassion and his support for those he represented. My guest today to look back on and celebrate a life well-lived is his brother, Les. Thanks very much for joining us today. Perhaps the right place to begin, Les, is your childhood back in 1950s Jersey. Tell us about that and your growing up in that time with Len. It is interesting in a lot of ways because it's, uh, you know, it's really is back a couple of generations when you think about it. Um, because Len was born in 1947 on the 5th of July and uh, my mum and dad at the time had a couple of rooms in Winchester Street, which really was the back end of town. You're talking about, you know, a couple of rooms of what would probably be described as a slum these days. Um, and it must have been difficult. Uh, dad had just started up his hairdresser, which was Len's hairdresser, which started off in that little new cut street uh, opposite the Pearson, uh, where Woolworths, and opposite where Woolworths used to be, upstairs there. Uh, I came along in 1949, uh, in September, uh, and mum and dad were just about to acquire a two-up, two-down house in Simon Place, marginally upmarket from Winchester Street at the time. Uh, it was number one, Dipford was the name of the house. Um, even then, uh, that house merely had an outside toilet. Uh, it had a, a, a bath. And the bathroom attached to the house, but the toilet was at the bottom of the garden. I don't think plumbing was as sophisticated as it was in those days. And, of course, they're full of streams. You know, streams run under all those houses there. Um, and uh, But they were good years. They were good years. My sister came along uh, on the 5th of July, strangely enough, two years later. So that would have been in 51. And my brother was horrified to have a baby sister for his fourth birthday, but that's what it was. But they were good years. Really, really good years. Um, living in Simon Place, you had a lot of families around. We all played together in the streets. Uh, you know, you go and play uh, Jerry's and English and Cowboys and, and Indians. I think that's politically correct. Uh, up in the grounds of Victoria College or uh, up Mount Bingham. Um, you know, and it was really, really, really fun years. Uh, a good lifestyle, safe environment. Um, there, there were all sorts of things that you did which I think kids miss on, miss out on uh, for instance a, a peculiar thing I suppose in a lot of ways 
was that uh, my mother was responsible for for poppy collections in that in that area, and you know we delighted in, in helping her because we could walk around the uh, Ann Street Brewery selling poppies where we would you know be given. I think there was some bizarre reason they seemed to make crisps there in those days, and you know we and, and everybody was so friendly and nice and helpful, and nobody was worried about anything if, if I'm honest. Um, and they were they were really really good years. Um, and then in 2000, well, no, not 2000, we're coming up with, in about 1961, um, my grandfather had died and my grandmother was alone in this little, very old uh, granite cottage opposite the Methodist church in Georgetown. So they were just renting it. So my dad managed to buy it and uh, knocked down and built our family home, which then became a family home called Drayton. Uh, and so until we, we all left home, we lived at Drayton in Georgetown. Another great place to live, uh, good locality. Um, my brother and I went to De La Salle. Well, actually, we first did three years at Bolia because it used to take boys in those days. You get a lot of funny looks now when you say that. But the, um, the, the, we ended up at De La Salle. Um, so both from Simon Place and from Georgetown, it was pretty easy to get up there, cycling, walking. You didn't get taken to school by car in those days. So, uh, I mean, take us, take us forward a little bit into those school days. What, um, what was Len like in those days? Len, he was, uh, he was a real character. He, he, was, uh, he was a smart cookie, Len. Uh, and, and he was very, very clever at school. Um, which made it difficult for me, and uh, he, uh, he 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 basically sailed through his um, his O levels, as they were called in those days. Um, but I suppose his greatest achievement at, at school was it was chess. We had a brother there called Brother Austin, who was a, a great guy, and insisted in those days that you know you learnt to play chess. Well, uh, you probably don't know, but Len had a natural ability for chess. <laughs> Uh, uh, and he, he he became the UK under 16s champion, uh, under 16s uh, number two uh, in the Bognor Regis Championships. Uh, and from then went on to become Jersey and Channel Island chess champion. Uh, you know, I could never beat the computer, but he could. Um, and he also got very much into cricket. He loved cricket uh, and he used to play cricket for uh, Beaches Old Boys and uh, particularly loved scoring at cricket. A lot of old, lovely old photo of him um, scoring for a, a Beaches Old Boys cricket match. But he, a, he had a great mentor and he, he looked very much up to a guy called John Sankey, who you probably remember. And he was a great influence on my brother. John, John Sankey was a clever guy. Uh, and, and I think to some extent Len tried to emulate him. Uh, even down to the extent that John Sankey did a wonderful impersonation of Winston Churchill, uh, which my brother could also do. Uh, and, and I think that's where he got his um, sharp wit from and his ability to uh, come back at you with a one-liner. So in those days, um, was, was there any evidence of the, the, the life in, in public that he was going to go on to lead? Obviously, a lot of people listening to this will, will know Len from his time in politics, obviously, and his time in public life. Were there any signs then that that was the direction he was heading in? Um, I, I have to say, I can't say there was, really. I suppose um, 
dad was very busy with the shop. Uh, Mum was very busy with us. Um, but they were both they were both heavily involved in public life. Um, dad, we, we, obviously, with his shop, it was limited, but, you know, he was very involved with the honorary police, uh, sent in here. Mum and Dad basically founded between them the what is now the Jersey Netball Association. Mum and Dad were both county umpires. Um, and we, as kids, we were actually brought up on netball. You know, Thursday afternoons off from school was up to Pier Road, where the Pier Road car park is now, where they used to play netball. So I suppose we lot, learned, a lot, learned a lot about organisation and public service. Mum was very involved in St John's Ambulance, and thus, you know, uh, I think Len and I resisted it, but my sister was dragged in St John's Ambulance, and, uh, and a lot of her family members were St John's Ambulance. Dad was also terribly involved in the Beaches Old Boys Association and the founding of the Beaches Old Boys Club Room. Um, and, and therefore, I, I think what we learnt there uh, was what public service was all about in the island. It's from our mum and dad. And I'm sure your own relationship with Len at that time developed as, as you know, the relationships between brothers do. I mean, can you, can you explain a bit about that? I mean, how, the, how did the two of you get on? Uh, we, we've always got on well. Um, I can't believe that as, uh, as little boys we didn't fight. I'm sure we must have done. I don't remember doing it, but I'm sure we must have done. But I suppose that was one of the beauties uh, of growing up at that time and in the environment we lived in is that we weren't fighting over um, who was going to watch the TV because we didn't really have one in the beginning. And we didn't fight over iPads or laptops because we were actually outside um, with our friends. Um, and in the environment, you know, two or three children was the norm. And we had, for instance, Nick and Paul Roots here uh, living in Simon Place. And we were playing with them and... Uh, Tony and Barry Shelton up in St Saviour's Road. Uh, and therefore, when we went out, we went as a group, and I'd have somebody in that group, and their sibling would be with my brother. Um, and, and through all our lives, I, I, I don't ever, ever remember my brother and I falling out. Heated discussions, even more latterly in uh, political terms, and um, yeah, and even in the Beaches Old Boys Association, where at one time my father was president, my brother was secretary and I was treasurer and we had some very interesting debates in committee meetings but never fell out and uh, but they, they they were just really good good memories and, and, and good times. Okay so take us forward a little bit from then into uh, Len's professional life into his working career and then uh, we'll move on into his pol political career after that. Right yeah uh, well he he, he Having been very successful at getting his O-levels, he decided uh, not to pursue A-levels after a year. Uh, I, I, I don't know why. I, I imagine girls were involved somewhere. But he, uh, he, he decided to go across to London to find his fame and fortune with actually working for the Greater London Council. Did that surprise you as a family? Uh, very much so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he was popular for it at the time. Uh, because uh, he uh, then... Uh, met and fell in love with his uh, wife, Marion, at the time. And uh, he ended up, as uh, Philip, my grandson, uh, not my grandson, his grandson, was, uh, Len's grandson was born, and they moved to Ashford in Kent, where he worked uh, for the Marley Tile Company in, in administration, always administration. Um, but 
it wasn't long before the Jersey was calling. Um, and they came back to Jersey um, and he went to work for the Jersey Evening Post uh, in, in the advertising side of it. Uh, enjoyed that very much. Um, and his, his daughter Anna came along and he moved to Wallace Barnaby uh, in marketing and advertising. And there, one of his clients was something which you probably don't even remember, which was the Country Gentlemen's Association, which was a bit like a JFTU. Um, and uh, he th thought it was such an interesting business, and it had, a, it had attached to it an insurance broking business, uh, which they did for farmers, but it, it extended and everybody was, was using it. Um, so he bought Country Gentlemen's Association. They were on the Esplanade. Um, selling everything. Uh, during that period, he uh, he introduced the uh, Sinclair bike. Was it CV five or something into Jersey? Sinclair C five. C five. That was the one. Yeah, uh, which were which were fun times. I remember going down there with him and trying to to ride one, but highly dangerous vehicles they were. Um, uh, but he sold the shop part of it onto uh, a, a, a guy who came to res reside in the island. And he kept the insurance broking business, and that became his main business. And he he, he ran that for a number of years down at uh, Charing Cross, uh, and it was fairly successful. Um, and joined that, you know, it was while he was doing that that he joined the states as a deputy. Really, it may have been just before that, might be when he when he still had so the. What was the connection there? Why why make the leap from uh, from business to politics? And uh, originally, obviously, he was elected as a deputy in St Clement. Well, yeah. I suppose it wasn't a leap, was it? Because they weren't paid. So he was merely providing an honorary service at the time. Uh, my father, by then, was constable of St. Sabian um, uh, and had, I think, already done one term when Len became the deputy of St. Clement. I just think he felt he, you know, he'd been very successful in Jersey and, and sort of in the family tradition of uh, service to the island. I mean, it's, it's worth picking that up, though, isn't it? I mean, it's a very different um, scenario then than it would be now to, to be running your business and standing for politics, doing the two together, not expecting to be paid for the political position, but probably also going into the States when your father was there as well. Yeah, people, um, people did in those days. They didn't, they didn't, it wasn't about the payment, it was about the service. And I think um, it was less complicated. You know, state sittings were basically on a, Tuesday and and that was virtually it uh there was committee meetings in between but I mean things seemed to run uh easier there wasn't so much paperwork maybe uh decisions were made and kept to and you got on with it um and uh, probably being politically incorrect here uh I apologize for this but most of the people in the states were successful businessmen and therefore knew about making quick decisions and getting on with things rather than talking about them all the time. So what a change he must have seen. Um, I mean, I don't want to go too far too forward, but then obviously to, to, to become Home Affairs Minister, effectively a full-time role. What a change to then look back to what you're describing of 37 years previously. Yeah, that, that, that must be right. Um, he, I mean, way before then, quite early on in his time, uh, I mean, he, he was, you know, president of Social Security, he was president of housing, he was president of harbours and airports. Well, I can't remember them all, but he, you know, he was, he was heavily involved in, 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 in a lot of communities. And I, I don't actually even 
remember what year they went into to being paid. But uh, yeah, it, it's a completely different animal. Um, so how, how did that develop? And so let's come back to, the, the, we're in the 1980s now in his first kind of political roles. How, how did that gradually start to shift, I guess, with politics taking more and more of Len's time and perhaps business taking less and less? That's, that's exactly what happened as it developed. And, and in fairness, the island grew. Yeah, let's be honest, the island took off and therefore there was more, more involvement, more to do. New laws coming in nearly every other week, therefore more responsibility. Growth in population demanding greater infrastructure, therefore the, the amount of work for a politician did grow. And uh, you know, it was at that time... Uh, he sold the business early on and, and concentrated on, on the state's work. So it, it, it was com- completely different. Um, but, uh, and, and to some extent, I, I, I think he probably enjoyed it as much, if not more then, because he was very politically astute. Um, uh, he, 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 didn't, uh, he didn't pander to anybody. Um, he would always say it as it was. Uh, and if he disagreed with something, uh, even if it wasn't uh, politically favourable to him, he would say so. It didn't always make him popular. Uh, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think people recognise that. Um, and, and, and he achieved a lot. And he, he spent a lot of his, his time protecting the parish of St. Clement. Um, he, was, uh, he, he had a great love for that parish. And um, he, you know, he, he would fight uh, like fury, it didn't always succeed. It was like that housing development opposite Samurai Manor, he fought tooth and nail for that not to happen. Um, but but you know, at the end of the day, it, it's there. And uh, but there again, once it happened, he would support the people in there and make sure that they they, they were welcomed and brought into to the family of St Clement. Do you do you recognise um, the Len that you knew in the tributes that have been paid this week to him? Oh yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. He 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 was. Uh, uh, he could be a man of few words, you know. Um, I, a number of people have said, and that's absolutely accurate, that the only time he spoke in the states is when he had something to say. Um, some of the politicians said, when Len stood up to speak, you sat up and listened because it was going to be worth listening to. He wasn't going to repeat what somebody had already said. Uh, like they seem to go on for hours repeating what he, everybody says nowadays, um, and 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 he's he's always been like that. He's he's a he is a man of few words, but they're they're worth listening to. You know, I I mean, I suppose on a personal basis, I mean, I'd send him a a, a few paragraphs about uh, something we were dealing with or a family issue or something. You know, and and I knew that when the reply came back, it would be yep, or fine. Or you know, and when I looked at it, I thought, "Yeah, there's not much more to say than that, really. So why waste your words?" And that, and, and so that is true. That 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 is what what he's like. He wasn't afraid to stand up uh, for what he wanted. I, I mean, again, I, I read it today, and 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 I do remember him talking to me about it. He was standing up to some of the cuts that Charlie Parker wanted to institute, uh, and he said. That's not going to happen, um, and I don't think there was enough of that, which which was probably to Charlie's detriment, poor chap. I think he probably had a, a job to do, and it was a good job, but you just occasionally had to say no. 
So, I mean, it's worth exploring that side of his character a little bit because that, that's not going to have made Len popular, some of the things that he said. I mean, I, I think I first interviewed him in 1997, and at the time, he, he really had a reputation of if someone was going to bring a vote of no confidence, it was going to be Len Norman, and if he brought it, it was probably going to happen. So he, he would have made enemies. Do you think that would have bothered him? No, not in the slightest. Like water of a duck's back. You know, you see people go into politics and come out of it fairly quickly because they can't stand that heat. Uh, and I did discuss that with him. And as far as he was concerned, he was in there because it needed to, job needed to be done. He wasn't in there to be popular. He was there to do a job. Uh, and I do remember, uh, I think, some of the the worst vitriol he got was when I th- if I remember rightly he either bought a vote of no confidence I think it was a vote of no confidence against Corey Stein uh, and there was some quite unpleasant uh, aggression against him but he was right and he took over as Minister of Housing and just you know just just to show you what he was like I was discussing with him he said the mistake we're making with housing and housing units is where building rubbish, and then wondering why it goes dilapidated. If you create very good housing, quality housing, and give them proper homes for them, they will appreciate them and look after them. And if you look at all the developments in recent times, that is what's happened. The old Ritz site, the old Continental Hotel site in St. Saviour's Road. I don't know the one at First Tower, but that's a beautiful uh, social housing. And they're all lovely and all well looked after. So he was right. A lot of foresight, very clever. There was another side to him as well, which has come out in the tributes, which uh, when you read um, some of the things that have been said about him this week, people also use the word compassion. So with the conversation we've just had, when he was seen in, in some years in the States as almost a hatchet man, someone who, if you know there was something to be done, he would do it. He managed to mix it with this softer side too. Do, do you recognise that in him? Yeah, it, it, it is funny because it, 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 it's not an obvious thing. Um, but then it comes out in tributes like, like, like you've been reading um, because they're done quietly. Um, it, it, it's like the, he really started in the island, in, in the parishes, the social side of looking after people he created in the Clemley Committee to make sure that the elderly and the, and, and, and the people who needed help and they had a committee and, and, and this, this social side of the parish is, is growing and growing and, and going great. And that was his idea. Um, now, you know, that doesn't come out in, 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 in the scheme of things. Um, there was um, a lady, I think it was, this one sticks out in my mind a lot, I suppose. She used to be the tea lady for years and years in, in, in the uh, state chamber, Norma, Norma McCreesh, I think she was. And I remember the sort of uh, love she had for my brother, and and and, and, I, and I I couldn't work out, but don't, don't, I realised they were parishioners. I think they lived down um, the FB somewhere, and, and but, but you know, as far as she concerned, he was God, and I thought I couldn't work out at all. He obviously had a lot of compassion for her and uh, and her husband uh, Archie. He was great. They were great people, um, and. and and I think that's where you see it. It's that this compassion wasn't a public thing. Um, that was a private thing. In public, he was there to do a job and it was going to be done. Did you have a conversation with him um, about what he was most most proud of? And it's a very difficult question, obviously, because I'm sure that changes day to day and it depends on, 
on what's happening. But did you ever have that kind of conversation with him? Any you know opportunity to look back um, at what he'd achieved and the variety of political roles? I don't think there's anyone else who who did so many different things in politics across such a uh, a number of years in Jersey. It's really you know a career which stands out. So trying to put all of that in in the round. Did you ever talk to him about? Um, he looks back, anything he was particularly proud of, and maybe you know the flip side of that, anything he would have liked to have changed? Um, I can't think of anything he would like to have changed, although I can't believe it's there. Um, but he was proud of a lot of things. Um, if I could take perhaps the committees he was on in isolation and, and deal with them, I mean, I, uh, on the Social Security committee um i think he's one of his greatest foresights and i, I think it was there was a lot of impetus from paul Rucher at the time in his main cap role rather than before he became in the state whether it was under lens stewardship that um acorn enterprises was set up uh which i was the first chairman of for the first 10 years and you look at what acorn's doing now and i i, I think he was i think he was very proud of that the housing one I've already mentioned, and you know, he he's he, he must have been very proud to drive around and see the quality uh, 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 of our social housing in, in, in recent times. Um, let me think. I'm not sure sure what he did at the airport, um, but he, even his latest role in home affairs, uh, he was talking to me about a lot about this community policing, which is was coming back and uh, passionate about it passionate about improvements in the uh, in the prison service so he was proud yeah yeah he he he, he did uh but we not in the way that he boasted about them but we would sit and chat about them and and he was saying you know this has been done wrong this is how it should have been done and i was chatting to him recently about acorn enterprises and and and, and what what a success and what 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 foresight there was not just by him there were others who were advising him but, but yeah so that 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 is true, and you know, I, I discussed a lot of things with him, and uh, and it was quite funny because the uh, yeah this ministerial system was different because very often he would um, vote in a way as a minister, and I said to him, "What on earth are you doing? You can't possibly believe in that." And he said, "That that's the system," but this is where he. You know, he, he, he signed up to this form of government, therefore he had to accept it, but it didn't necessarily mean he was happy with it. Um, and, you know, at the risk of being highly uh, politically dangerous here, uh, not long before his diagnosis, I challenged him about the new hospital. I said, what on earth are you doing? Um, building, this, building it where it is, how it is, what it is. And he said, well, you know, I um, I had a choice. I was a minister, and I'm you know in the cabinet. Therefore, that that's the decision. But he said, uh, speaking between you and me, on a personal basis, it has got to the stage where we really should have a ten-year moratorium. We should do nothing for ten years, invest to keep everything going as it is, and let's really think about it because this is being done on the hoof. Uh, and he was right, um, but. The system didn't allow for that, sadly. What do you think um, he would have thought looking back over that career? I mean, it's 37 years, and as we've discussed, it's a, it's a 37 years which has changed, seen Jersey change fundamentally 
from the early 80s to you know 2021 you know the island is hugely different um, over those two time markers and you know you, you, I'm sure you didn't have the chance to have this conversation with him but if you had how, how do you think you would have seen that difference because he's probably one of the few people that saw that in that way yeah um, I think he would be uh, philosophical enough to accept that you had no choice um, it's it isn't it, i think it's this he would recognize it being the same argument about population control is that what's the alternative you know as we we, we couldn't stay with the old system i'm not sure he would 100 percent agree that the new system uh, was, was totally right um but uh if the island's going to prosper uh you have to grow the economy um Economies don't grow without increased population. Um, that is sad, but it's a fact. Um, and therefore, I think, you know, we could all agree to uh, control the population or even reduce the population if you're happy to accept a less quality of life, a smaller hospital, not such big, grandiose quality schools or roads. Um, and it's an option, but you have to be honest with the electorate about it. And, and But I, I think he just accepted that what the people want is a continued level of uh, quality of life and, and, and expectation, of, you know, what, what the state's going to provide. And therefore, and, and, and to that extent, the system had to change as well. The old states committee system, as lovely as it was, wasn't going to work in the new financial environment. It just was not going to work. Um, and I suppose, again, you're back to this ministerial system of government. You know, he voted for this change to these deputies and districts. He wasn't in favour of it. He accepted what, what's happened is we've disenfranchised huge numbers of people. I, I now only going to be able to vote for three people out of how many, 48, whatever it is, instead of the, you know, 15 I used to be able to do. Uh, and he was anti that, but the ministerial system didn't give him that chance to not vote against it. To finish off with, many people this week have, have obviously uh, given their uh, their memories of, of your brother and described how they saw him. Just finish for us today with your main memory of him. How do you see him now? Um, I see him as my brother. He, we were, you know, we didn't live in each other's pockets. We we're always, always friends, always great debaters. I suppose my abiding memory will be going to see some Portsmouth football matches with him at Fratton Park, which were great fun. Completely different person in that environment. But I, I think he's left a, a huge legacy to the island in what he achieved at, 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 during his time in politics. Um, and he will be a hard act to follow, not only in the States, but in the parish as well. Although there'll be somebody there waiting in the wings who will do a good job. Les Norman, thanks for joining us this week and helping the island to remember your brother Len and his very long and varied record of public service. So that was this week's Bailiwick podcast. The music you can hear at the beginning and end of this pod is I Shift My Weight by Luno. There'll be more on the pod next week. Thanks for listening.